Welcome to the Trusted Advisor Podcast brought to you by Iroquois Group. Iroquois is your trusted advisor in all things insurance. This week, you are listening to Charlie's Corner, a segment hosted by our very own Charlie Venus. Welcome to our podcast today. We have two great guests from CNA, Julie Stevenson and Dieter Cord. Julie is Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer for Middle Market Commercial Insurance. And Dieter is Senior Vice President of Customer Segments at CNA. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Charlie. So can we start off with each of you telling us a little bit about your role at CNA, how you got there, and what defines middle market at CNA? And Julie, would you like to go first? Sure. Thank you so much. And thank you for having us today. Um, I joined CNA about five years ago now uh, as the Commercial Chief Underwriting Officer. Um, after a 20-year career with Chubb, um, where I started my insurance career in risk control, um, transitioning to multi-line underwriting soon after. Um, as of August of last year, I moved from the chief underwriting officer role to the chief operating officer role for middle market. And it was at that time that CNA chose to specialize specifically in middle market by separating out our construction Um, segment under separate leadership so that we could um, focus primarily on building our middle market brand and growing our business. Dieter? Thank you. Uh, I joined CNA a little after Julie, so it's been a little bit more than four years now. I also came from Chubb. I spent 25 years at Chubb in a number of field roles, uh, primarily dedicated to middle market business and then moved into a home office role handling law-sensitive business for a little bit more than a year, which included a couple captive programs and other law-sensitive larger clients, and then um, towards the end managed a line of business before I joined CNA. I initially joined CNA to lead the manufacturing segment, which uh, soon after that expanded into oversight of all of our industry segments. Um, Some people refer to call it industry verticals, but I think you understand uh, what I mean by that. And in my role, I primarily develop uh, strategies for expanding our industry appetite. Um, You know, I work with our lines of business on product development. We produce underwriting guidelines for our field underwriters and uh, work with our um, counterparts in claims and in the risk control unit to develop you know, specific service deliverables that are targeted to our core industries. So it's a, it's a very broad role that touches a lot of different disciplines. Um, you know, we are explore, constantly exploring new industries or new, you know, smaller subsegments within industries that give us some unique opportunities, uh, whether they are in one marketplace or they're across the country. Dieter, could you give me a, just a a real quick recap on what the segments are that uh, you have in middle market. Julie already mentioned that construction is not included. Is there anything else that isn't included from a middle market standpoint? Yes, it's fair to say that the overwhelming majority of our healthcare business is handled in our specialty units. We on occasion will assist with a little bit of property or some auto coverages, but Generally speaking, our healthcare business is also transacted in our specialty unit outside of our middle market business. But outside of that, it would encompass all other industries. Okay, great. So uh, one question I have for you both, and that is with 
you know, what's been going on in the country from a COVID-19 standpoint. So if you could just address, and really in three different buckets, the impact of COVID-19 on your business from an internal CNA operating standpoint, what you've seen so far from business results and how it's impacted your underwriting decisions and in terms of the industries that you're continuing to write and maybe those where you have you have pause writing those uh, those businesses because of the COVID-19 exposure. I was gonna say I'll take the internal question. You know, I think we as a commercial organization transitioned to a remote working environment really well. Um, frankly much better than I think we anticipated. Um, our underwriters have responded really well. Um, we're still growing both in GWP and new business. And I think navigating this market in a very collaborative way with our distribution partners who have also been, you know, going through the, the same dynamics. So, you know, hopefully, you know, you find our underwriters engaged and, and present. And, you know, as we like to say, we are open for business and, um, you know, trying to advance um, our strategies, advance our priorities um, as if we weren't in the midst of uh, uh, a pandemic. Now, so from a business results standpoint, uh, you just mentioned that you're continuing to see uh, growth in written premium. Yeah, so still still growing on a GWP basis, but also still growing new business. Um, you know, while we haven't released our um, um, second quarter results yet, you know, we had a nice first quarter relative to new business. Our new business grew double digits, um, and that trend continues into Q2. So. You know, it's a bit different. We're having to um, adapt to a different cadence, I think, in how submissions come to us. We're having to adapt to um, how we execute from a risk control standpoint, um, maybe uh, seek and consume information a bit differently than we, we had to do before. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Dieter and I feel very confident that um, our underwriters, our risk control engineers have adapted very well. Um, and we are absolutely looking to write more business and grow. And Dieter, in terms of the the industry impact, have you uh, has there been an impact on your new business because of COVID nineteen in terms of underwriting appetite? No, not in terms of underwriting appetite. I think our traditional appetite has actually served us really well. You know, we are not a major writer of the industries that seem to be more impacted at the current time, um, whether that is retail, hospitality, the restaurant business, higher education, entertainment. We, we don't have very significant writings in those industries. Um, and, you know, one example that served us really well for ex is the life science business. So we've seen a significant influx both of new business in our life science area, but as well as exposure growth. Certainly not a plan of ours to have to be ready for an event like a pandemic, but um, you know, just by virtue of how we view our underwriting appetite, the business that we pursue, we've probably avoided the worst outcome. To put this in perspective for you, I think a good barometer is what has been happening to our exposure basis. So when we measure our results, we look at the renewal change, which is really two components. It's your price change, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later, but it's also exposure change. So that's really the units that we use to rate our business. 
you know, so far through the year, that number is still trending positive year over year. So through the first two quarters, our exposure growth is positive compared to 2019. However, it is fair to point out that that is a slower rate of growth than we've seen in 18 and in 19. And and frankly, we already saw that number drop a little bit in 19, um, you know, which was indicative of the direction the economy was heading. But all of our industries and uh, all of our lines of business are still trending positive. So it hasn't been as bad as you could have expected. Well, that's pretty impressive. Uh, well, you know, tying in with what you just talked about with exposure and rate increase, where I'd like to go to next is if you and Julie can give an overview to the audience on the market conditions in middle market. So what's going on from a rate standpoint? And if you can give that overview from a from each individual line of business, that would be great. Terrific, happy to. You know, the middle market, especially middle market excluding construction, has been really interesting to watch. Um, from our perspective, the middle market space was much slower to respond to the firming market um, and involved very differently from what we saw, say, in the monoline property or you know, monoline umbrella and excess space. The market dyna- dynamics for middle market also varied wildly by industry, by line of business, and even by geography, making it even more difficult to navigate you know, when trying to put forth a multi-line, multi-exposure strategy. Middle market property is probably the best barometer. Um, at year-end 2019, we were achieving about five points of rate, but our national accounts property folks that handle larger monoline property um, were achieving double that in their marketplace at the end of 19. Um, by the end of Q1, that middle market property number had doubled to 10 and now trending to the mid-teens. So there's definitely movement, um, and it seemed to move more quickly in either wind hail traditional cat-prone territories. So um, I think the dynamic of increasing reinsurance costs, which I think we're going to get into a little bit later in this podcast, um, also impacted you know, what we see happening in the, in the property market. Our auto results continue to trend unfavorably for the industry on the whole. Um, It seems now that mid to high teens will be necessary to turn that market around from a rate perspective. Um, And then of course, as a result, you see that needed pricing increase making its way into umbrella pricing, even on supported umbrellas like we write here in middle market, rather than the, the dynamic capacity movement and pricing that you're seeing in the model line space. Um, we do continue to deploy umbrella capacity up to $25 million in middle market um, with the most favorable pricing terms and conditions certainly reserved for risks with smaller fleets, lower hazards, exposures, um, as you would expect. You know, finally, for workers' compensation, uh, it appears the industry is beginning to finally see some positive rate movement in that line as well. We knew it was coming, or at least I would say we hoped it was coming. Um, Despite the favorable loss history and reduction in frequency that we saw across the industry, um, the state rate decreases mostly based on lagging loss data, we knew that would soon take a toll, Um, especially in the more difficult, you know, blue collar classes like manufacturing or wholesale distribution. Um, So the white collar classes remain quite competitive. Um, but we're even seeing a significant reduction in the number of large rate decreases that we were seeing in those classes over the last couple of years. So, you know, I think that if I had a crystal ball, I would say that 
you know, hopefully through 20, we'll start to see work comp pricing turn positive for the first time in, in, in quite some time. I, I just wanted to add a little bit of an industry lens to that too. Um, we are certainly working very hard through our analytics to be very specific and targeted how we seek price increases. Um, and that's not just driven by the particular line of business, but then we also overlay that with the knowledge of trends within our industries, um, as well as our internal loss trends and experiences. And so our underwriters deploy a very targeted strategy of seeking rate increases. And you would see that in our industry results. So, um, you know, we very greatly, um, you know, between some of the more challenging exposures and sort of the more white collar business. But having said that, each one of our industries is getting a significant lift on price change. It's, uh, as Julie pointed out, in some of our line of business comments, it's picking up steam on a monthly basis, sort of across all of our industry groups as well. So, Julie, I wanted to go back to a couple of your comments, uh, one on auto with the auto rate increases. Mm -hmm. So was there any relief at all from an auto loss standpoint during, uh, during the lockdown when uh, everything, you know, there were virtually no vehicles on the road? Did you see any improvement in results? Yeah, I do think that we experienced, and I think our, our competitors would say the same thing, if, if you look at the industry trends, that there was certainly a reduction in frequency. And we are certainly hopeful that that gives us a little bit of a respite from you know, the difficulties that we faced in the profitability of the auto line. Um, but I think it's probably just that. It's just a temporary respite from um, what was otherwise a line of business that's been trending unfavorably year over year over year. You know, most commercial carriers have been getting high single digit or you know, double digit rate increases for five, six years now. Yet most combined ratios across the industry are still unfavorable for auto. So, you know, we'll, we'll certainly take it. Certainly happy to see that, that dip in frequency. But I do think that you know, the industry will have to remain diligent to get pricing on auto, you know, where it needs to be to, to sustain it. I think distracted driving and, and so many other dynamics, including some nuclear verdicts, especially in the trucking industry, are, are fueling these issues in auto. So, yes, I think with the, with the shutdown in various parts of the country, um, we'll, we'll take that break and be, be happy for it. But I don't believe it's our, our long-term solution. Okay, uh, and just quickly on the workers' comp, uh, do you see a trend where you you believe a lot of the COVID deaths, particularly among uh, the service employees or healthcare workers, are those going to be covered uh, by workers' comp? You know, I think the only thing we can say with certainty is the states that have issued presumptive orders: um, California, Illinois, now Vermont. Um, where they have you know, specifically declared in certain circumstances that you know, workers' compensation will respond. Um, I think in the remainder of the states, it remains to be seen. Um, I know the industry is watching that very, very carefully as you know, obviously a disease of life like, like COVID, um, um, you wouldn't have expected to, to perhaps be a compensable loss, but time will tell. I don't think we have a crystal ball into 
um, how that's going to evolve at this moment, other than in the states that have made those those presumptive declarations. If, if I may add, having said that, um, since you mentioned healthcare, we have always been very conservative in how we view healthcare and workers' compensation. And clearly, an issue like a pandemic was a driving force behind that, because it's uh, it's to be expected that you know those workers are clearly more exposed. So um, that is an area that we have avoided and, and, and applied a very conservative lens for exactly those reasons. Thanks, Julie and Dieter. To get some insight into the current reinsurance marketplace and to learn in detail about CNA's middle market appetite, listen in to part two of this episode. Thanks for listening to this edition of Charlie's Corner brought to you by Iroquois Group. I am Edwin K. Morris, and I invite you to join us for the next edition of the Trusted Advisor Podcast.